how was your vacation from from podcasting besides being was, very sick for a while it was terrible i would rather have just kept <laughs> podcasting <laughs> i have to tell you i i only played one match of magic in richmond uh-huh like i i played flesh of blood on saturday and then on sunday i played the pioneer rcq mm-hmm. but it, it's single elimination like 5-0 qualifies type deal yeah and i lost in the first round well yep i played against monogreen but my mono green opponent recognized me and like said they were a fan oh nice and i'm like oh that's cool appreciate that mm-hmm. Obvi- and obviously now i know that he, he knows what i'm playing yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he actually needed to turn in a deck list because mtg melee being mtg melee uh you could sign up for the tournament mm-hmm. but if you signed up too late when it, like when it was about to start they wouldn't accept deck list submission so the fix for this was the judge came around and be like, all right, you've got, looks at his watch, nine minutes to write me a deck list. Uh, <laughs> if you don't, you're out of the tournament, which is kind of unreal. But yeah, whatever. that's really bizarre. It, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Because again, this is a single elimination tournament. So yeah. a match loss is, is the end of your tournament. tournament. Yeah. <laughs> judge just walks away after saying this. <laughs> And I, I actually had a deck list in my notebook because I keep one, like an extra in case I'm late to a tournament or something. Oh, the judge didn't even have blank deck lists to hand out? Nope. Just walked away. Um, okay. <laughs> so I gave him a deck list after he was going to call the judge to give a, a deck list. And I was like, no, 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 I've got one in my notebook here. You just, you can use this because <laughs> I have an extra one, which I need to replenish now because I, I no longer have it. <laughs> He's like, oh, cool. Thank you. Went to another table to, to write out his deck list. Because, uh, you know, obviously I don't get to see what he's playing. Mm-hmm. Comes back, we flag down a judge. He is easily within the, the nine-minute mark. Probably took him like three and a half minutes to do his deck list or whatever. It was not a very complex Mon- procedure. Mono Green's a lot of four ofs and a lot of forests. I did not know at the time what he was playing. Yeah. But he goes, All right, thank you. Appreciate for your understanding and the deck list. Uh, I'm going to have to crush you now. <laughs> then he goes, forest, land, or else. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Not like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, the games were surprisingly close. Like, I won the first one, and then the next two, I was a turn away from winning, but then obviously killed me. Because mm-hmm. you always have to slow down by like half a turn to play around Damping Sphere. Because if they yeah. don't have the actual combo kill, they can always just card for Damping Sphere. And if you have just like played lands and then Lotus Field and then they just card you, then, then you're dead. Yeah. It was cool, though. It's yeah. a fun guy. Well, but that was the only 100% of my magic opponents recognized me from the podcast. Wow. That's what I'm trying a, to say. That's, that's really a great the, ratio. The yeah. Moral fantastic. Of the story here. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 289 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, I'm, I'm back. I've returned. You're back. Hooray. Yay. It's very exciting. Today, we are going to be pretty much just talking spoilers, preview cards. I guess the, the set is out. The pre-release happened and you can play these cards. So I don't know what like moment we're at but we're just talking know, about the new the cards. set's brand new we're going to talk about the new cards 
Yeah, March of the Machine. Let's go. I have no idea when Aftermath comes out, but I like March of the Machine so far. I I do too. Before we get to into things, I do also want to mention that I have started streaming mostly Pioneer stuff. Please feel free to tune in. Would love to have y'all join me. Also, we have a Patreon that I do a terrible job of pubbing, but I'm trying to get more guests and stuff on the podcast, and I am always try to pay my guests. I also have kind of shifted my career path. I am self-employed and still doing lawyer stuff, but also trying to do more content stuff. So I need to actually ask people to contribute to the Patreon so that we can... It's just like... Because I'm freelancing, when I spend several hours editing the podcast, then that instead of it being like an activity that I do after work, it's like, oh, this is time that I can be spending on work where to get my. Yeah. So podcast is always free, but it would certainly be helpful. Would appreciate any help that y'all want to give us. Other than that, we're just going to talk about some magic cards now. And I'm not going to do that that often. I, I hate. I hate that shit, but I have to do it. The, the pubbing. Yeah, it's hard. It feels bad. I had a nice, I had a nice magic filled weekend going to Richmond for the SCG yeah. Command Fest. I think it actually was, but the Command Zone was pretty small comparatively to the rest of everyone else. I yeah, I I still don't understand charging people to play Commander at a like. I know you have to like turn a profit. You have to like justify the events, but charging people money to sit down and play casual games of commander is super bizarre to me it's 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 cool like i i know people were there and played it and i know (laughs) there was a funny story where one of our friends his daughter was playing commander and there was an amber alert like in the middle of day one that fit her description exactly and she's just like (laughs) playing commander (laughs) Uh, which led to some really awkward judge interactions (laughs) that's really funny (laughs) they just have to check to make sure yeah he was like playing the main event i think and he just like obviously this is my daughter we're we're good i didn't kidnap her like that sort of thing (laughs) well most kidnappings are by a parent true this one was not Yes, I I do understand that this was not a kidnapped child. (laughs) But yeah, so new cards are out. I am glad you enjoyed Richmond where you got to people got to play with the new cards on pre-release weekend. I am curious about card availability during that type of weekend, but I don't know if you had any uh, feel for that. It was modern, so a lot of mm. the times people had just cards they could access instead. Like we'll talk about it later, and it, it maybe if you left in the pre-show, I've already. But like yeah. Surge of Salvation is a a hammer sideboard card, mm-hmm. which is very very good. But it's not that much different from Blacksmith Skill in what it does. That if you had Blacksmith Skill, you're not going to like kill yourself trying to look for these surges. Yeah, until you you get Archonda and you don't have any way to. Yeah, stop that but from like, that. but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's course. your sanity versus getting this card like in a week or something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and it's not like any of the rares or mythics had that much time to get that much press to like build decks around or with or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw someone playing with the new Ozolith. That was, I think, the only rare I saw someone play with, and that's just kind of like a two dollar card, right? That only goes in one deck in modern. It's unclear yeah. if it's an upgrade or what. And it does seem like 
Right. The vast majority of these cards are not really pushed for modern play, so... Yeah, so there's there's some cool stuff and definitely some cards you can put in modern decks, but at the same time, nothing's yeah. super. You could just play your, you could play rhinos or you could play hammer, or you could play Merktide, and you're not missing anything. Yeah, like Kenny played Death and Taxes this weekend with Guardian of Garepur, which is the Flicker Wisp analog, mm-hmm. instead of Flicker Wisp. Like, yeah, <laughs> Flicker Wisp was there if it needed to be there, but you know, having right. a three pop toughness creature is nice too in a run and six format. Yeah, do you want to just go back and forth? Yeah, we're just, some cards just gonna start it off cards, card by card. I yeah. apologize. I don't know exactly what cards we've already talked about on the podcast since my That's all right. And we departure. can double up on stuff a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to go first? You're you're in charge after all. I'm. You've in already charge? shielded the the Patreon. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Let's see. What do I want to start with? Kind of named a bunch of the ones that I was like the most excited about in other episodes i guess i'll point out for older formats for pioneer in particular but i'm sure that this card is going to be very good in standard too if if there's a deck that produces three green mana that is able to <laughs> exist pelucranos reborn this is green 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 for a four five reach which is already kind of pushing it like that's pretty good stats you can't attack through that thing that's leatherbuck bailoth stats and leatherbuck bailoth had no other text on it i know and this thing just has reach and it also and has another, and another side <laughs> six and a phyrexian mana transform pelucranos reborn activate only as a sorcery and it flips into a worm coil engine with reach basically yeah it's a six six reach lifelink whenever hydra dies you you make three uh, two three threes Oh, it's whenever a Hydra. If you have yeah, another, it's not whenever it dies. It's whenever <laughs> it or a Hydra dies. So, uh, your layer of the Hydra can also make little Hydra babies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the mono green deck list is obviously tight. There are two flex slots that you can do different things with, and I mean, I think that this being triple green and then also having a giant lifelink side also even just on the front side it is a four five reach and so you're not going to just like get clocked by ledger shredders early on and stuff like i think this does a lot of the things that mono green wants in its flex slots or even in like replacing a couple of things in the deck but yeah the funny thing i I would play against this card uh because i did play against mono green this past Mm -hmm. weekend but uh, i saw someone mention it as you know, Mono Green, you play against Spirits, and they're trying to race you, and but you play Pelucas, and they can never win anymore. Yep. Like, that's, it's just over. That's it. Uh, I think it's really similar to, like, I've been playing some creativity in Pioneer, and when you put a Traxa in play, you don't actually even need to draw the cards off of a Traxa against Spirits. Just that big flying lifelink body is unbeatable, and I think this is the same thing. It's It's huge. It is legendary, though, so it's not like a free forever placement the same way Old Growth Troll is. Right, uh, but if you flip it, you can play it. the front side of another one. Yeah, it's really easy to flip in Monogreen, too. You just need to make a bunch of mana, which this card helps you do. <laughs> yeah, so I think certainly in mono green and then in other spots, I don't know if we're going to reach the point in standard where we can make green, green, green on turn three, but this is there if you want to. I think it would kind of require a land or elves type of deal to be mm-hmm. legal. And I think the only one we have is the bad cultivator from all is one that makes an oil counter and it untaps the land. Yeah. I mean, there's that there's the, the one that like you tap an untapped creature or artifact you control in addition to it to, you know, which does sure. not certainly doesn't cast this on turn two, but 
Well, neither does the card I mentioned, so. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Flirt Crisis is good. Uh, I want to talk about Rona. Okay, uh, I'll, that I'll is fine. We, we have talked about Rona, but I think she's incredible, so I, I definitely want to hear your take on it. Rona's my favorite card in the set. I have I built decks with her this past weekend, and people are building decks with her now. By the time this has come out, I'm sure people are iterating even further. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of want to talk about the deck I like her in the most, because it's in, instead of being like the the abstract, I think Rona is good with Mox Amber, just like what the sh- what is the shell. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of just have a shell now with people trying out stuff. First thing people suggested was just guy sentency, which we should never suggest. Don't don't do that. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but the the suggestion I actually liked a lot more, and people started playing with. Todd was playing on stream earlier today. Was with uh, Tyvar Jubilant Brawler, I think is his name. The new Tyvar that uh, you can activate creatures' abilities at instant speed, and mm-hmm. he gets creatures back from the graveyard. Yeah. So with them, you can obviously. You know, Tyvar can bring back Arona. Uh, this is a Mox Amber deck because if you have a Retraction Helix, <laughs> fair, <laughs> random common from Theros, you can give Arona the bounce ability, bounce the Mox Amber to your hand, and when you play the Mox Amber, she untaps. So that gives you a, a blue mana every time you bounce your Mox Amber back to your hand. Or, or if you have Tyvar in play, it gives you a blue or black or a green mana every time. So you, you have infinite soul time mana, essentially. Yeah, I, you can also, once you have... You know, you add the blue mana, and then you flip Rona, and then Mox Amber starts making black mana. You don't want to flip Rona, though, because she loses Yeah, the then ability. she doesn't have her untap ability anymore. But if you can add infinite blue mana, and then if you need, like, a black mana out of it or whatever, you, you can. Yeah, but you, you keep her as little Rona, so that you, once you've made your infinite colors of mana, you can start bouncing Tyvar instead of Mox Amber. Mm-hmm. Then every time you Tyvar, you just minus two him. Uh, and then you can either find Diligent Excavator to mill at your opponent. You just recast Mox Amber a bunch and then mill them out. Or the the funniest kill I saw was the, one of the earliest ones where you could mill uh, Jace Friend's Prodigy into your graveyard, get it back with Tyvar, flip the Jace because you can use him at speed, then <laughs> proliferate him with Canker Bloom, just Tyvar returning Canker Bloom a bunch to proliferate, yes. <laughs> then ultimate the Jace, cast Mox Amber a bunch of times to mill at your opponent. <laughs> Which was Perfect. adorable. That is really cute. Uh, but obviously, Diligent Excavator is just like a lot more compact. Yeah. And this deck seems pretty good. Like, you get to play Thoughtseize and Fatal Push and Treasure Cruise in your combo deck. Uh, and also, maybe there's a beatdown plan. Like, I, I saw a version with Ledger Shredders. And if you get into some grindy games with Ledger Shredder and the backside of Rona, you can like kind of attack in combat all of a sudden. Yeah, the backside of Rona is a 5 5 that they can't really fight in combat without bad things happening to them so yeah it's it's just a 5-5 trampler and then if it would get dealt damage well when it gets dealt damage you they have to exile a card from their hand and you get to play it yeah at random so maybe it's good yeah if it's a land you at least get to put it into play but (laughs) if it's a spell you can get them you cast it for free Mm -hmm. yeah i think rona is clearly very good both gives rise to possible combo decks, especially in Pioneer. And I think in Standard, like, may just be a two-drop in the Legends deck. I, I know that that is an, a, an aggro deck that wants to be down, but the two-drop slot after Denik is pretty light. Like, Harbin has flying, but also kind of sucks. So Harbin really sucks. You know, 
I, I think that this might be a fine replacement and like will actually make use of the backside. You know, they kill all of your stuff and you only have your two drop left and then you flip it and just start beating them down with it. I also kind of like the intrinsic synergy of Rona in a Legends style deck where mm-hmm. obviously you want to play her with Legends because she untaps and you can loot more. But if you draw Legends, you can loot those away, like extra yes. copies. <laughs> it, yeah, it's really it's nice. nice. And I don't think she'll just like crush the the Esper deck wide open or anything because it's no, she's just a, a I think looter, she's just but, an improvement. But she is better than some of the stinkers. Like once you get past Danik and Thalia, you're like, all right, what's left? The Raven Man. <laughs> Yeah, she's I definitely mean, better than all these like tier three options. People have been putting Razor Lash Transmigrant in, which is like fine, but yeah, and that's more of a the format consideration. Right? Yeah, that's mostly a tech card against all of the cut down decks and stuff. But that's Rona. I think that's the card I'm the most excited for in the set. I think it's going to lead to the most stuff. I've already bought some and been planning to play it deck maybe even an rcq with it soon if i can yeah. get the cards all together no i think that's the card i'm most excited about too i think it's extremely good i don't know i kind of want to talk about just sort of the convoke things that are going on a little bit generally uh the ones that i am thinking of most are meeting of minds is three in a blue for an instant draw two cards with convoke uh there's also zephyr singer at two blue blue for a three four flying vigilance with convoke when it enters the battlefield put a flying counter on each creature that convoked it and there is artistic refusal for blue blue instant with convoke choose one or both counter target spell draw two cards then discard a card um and i mean this is just uh the, the other, format... other one's counter target spell oh yeah yeah the other <laughs> one is counter target spell you get to do both it's it's pretty sweet i mean this is just a format with third path iconoclast in it which really helps cast your convoke spells they are colorless soldiers that iconoclast makes so it doesn't really like cast the whole spell i mean i've been playing a little bit of limited and these convoke spells are are really 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 strong they are like kind of priced to move it just feels like the costing of these is a little closer to the actual cost of these spells and it ends up working out really well when you just have creatures that are multiple bodies and then especially the card drawing ones where you just can like keep going and if you're making creatures off of them with iconoclast or monastery mentor or whatever uh i don't know exactly how you're building these decks and if these decks can stand up to you know cut down fable the mirror breaker and just the no nonsense stuff but I, this is the kind of nonsense stuff that I think is pretty cool. And maybe, what's it called? The three mana two three that makes decayed zombies and then flips into puppet stitcher or whatever. Maybe that thing is fine. It's finally time. Maybe there you do you do one point for third path of kind of class is that stoke the flames is reentering standard. Mm-hmm. So yeah. stoke the flames is a very good finisher. Uh, just straight up four damage to any target with four mana convoke. Yeah. So. I am interested in trying some of these convokey strategies, tokens stuff. I, I don't know exactly like what the combination is for them, but you know, some some of this like being able to cast card drawing and counter magic off of your creatures can be really, really nice. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like browsing through the convoke cards in the new set because there's mm-hmm. like a bunch in blue and red. <laughs> uh, and a lot of them don't look that powerful. But you only need like a couple. Like I'm, I'm a little suspicious of Zephyr Singer if you're just convoking with tokens, like one one tokens. 
yeah not the most impactful so but the spells all seem very good yeah I, I think the spells are really where it's at like especially you start out with a card drawing spell and stoke of the flames and you're already like a lot of the way there with third path iconoclast so i am interested to see like where the what the rest of the cards in the deck are yeah i'm game uh, let me scroll down to my list let's find a card let's see um, and while while the soldiers are colorless, Third Path Iconoclast is both blue and red, so very good at helping to convoke those spells. Yeah, especially since you never want to attack with it. <laughs> so right. you're always trying to... Yeah, so uh, you actually get some use out of it. All right, I want to talk about Invasion of Gobakan. Uh, this is a two-mana siege, so it's a one-and-a-white battle. When Invasion of Gobakan enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You can exile a non-land card from it for as long as that card remains exiled. Its owners may play it, and it costs two more to cast. So it's a two-mana, basically enchantment or battle version of Elite Spellbinder. Yeah. It has three defense, which I believe is what the stat that you need to kill <laughs> the battles are called. And it flips, once you've defeated it, it flips into Light Shield Array, which is a enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, you put a plus one counter on each creature that attacked this turn, and you can sacrifice it. No, no mana cost associated with it. You can just sacrifice it to give creatures you control hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. I really like this card. And I'm not even like the target audience for this you card. You are not the target audience for this card. My goodness. <laughs> but it is so good. Not as like a two drop, because I think playing this on turn two is is bad. Is awful, yeah. Yeah. You most that, that was like one of the best parts about Elite Spellbinder is that it was kind of like your curve topper and it took a card like mm -hmm. setting up into the wrath turn especially if they're on the play uh invasion of gobicon you it's not a creature so it's a little worse than elite spellbinder but it has the same effect and it's cheaper so like on turn four you can play this and a two drop and you're good yeah. or, i think or that's play this to clear really the way for do. something else yeah uh, and then if you can attack it down it is just straight up protection against any board clears while being an anthem yeah and i so I do think that this card is pretty good. We did talk about this with when Jesse was on the cast. Yeah. I, I think the upside of this thing is enormous. Like when it works, it's fantastic. When it's just like they were trying to wrath you and you get to do this to make their wrath cost more and then insulate your creatures against other stuff. I mean, my my hesitation is just like when it's bad, it doesn't do anything at all. Yeah, for sure. It is nice that it plays well with some of the, the white cards, like Elite Spellbinder, honestly, like in Pioneer, you can just play this on turn four and attack it with your 3-1 fire. Yeah, I mean, I think it's exceptional when you have, like, the more evasion you have in your deck. Like, I'm a little less excited to play it with, like, two ones for one and more excited to play it with, like, one one flyers for one. You know, I don't know if there is a blue-white deck or something like that that exists in the format. But the ability to attack past blockers to flip it and then also to get multiple attacks out of creatures, which generally happens, is more likely to happen when your creatures are evasive. I think that that all is a nice combo. Yeah, like I don't think Angels is interested in this type of card because it's just it's just trying to outmuscle your opponent. Yeah, that's kind of what Angels does. But anything that can be mid rangey white, not just like full on. I'm playing Savannah Lions Tribal. I think is what's kind of interested in this card. I mean, it's great with Wedding Announcement, right? Wedding Announcement helps you to flip it. Plus one, plus one counters are great with tokens. I think Wedding Announcement's a good card, but it's like just kind of whatever with this. Like, I don't know what deck with, with, with the wedding announcement and Invasion of Govacon is trying to, like, assemble a good board in the in the time frame that Pioneer allows. Though in standard, oh, oh if we're talking about Pioneer. I, I was, Sorry, yeah, I, I, was I was still in Pioneer headspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also like it with, like, I mean, just generally, I really like Guardian of Giriper, the 
Flicker Wisp Angel. Yeah, let's talk about that next. Yeah, so this is two and a white, three, three flying. When it ETBs, exile up to one other target creature or artifact you control, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So obviously invites comparisons to Flicker Wisp. I know people who play for Flicker Wisp in Modern have already kind of adopted this as a replacement, mostly for its ability to not die to a Renin 6 minus, almost yes. more than anything else. <laughs> You know, you do lose some utility. It's not as good at blinking stuff as Flicker Wisp is, but it is a 3-3 flyer for three. It's not just insane with either of the way Flicker Wisp is. Right, right. You lose a lot of the fun tricks and stuff because it can't hit lands. You know, it they can't reset bridge. their... You can't get rid their... of a permanent for an entire turn cycle. That's yeah, the thing. You can't get a blocker out of the way. But most of the time, you just use your Flicker Wisp to reset your Cauldra anyway. Like once they prismatic ending the token. And right. This Guardian of Deerford does, does this exact same function. Yeah. So I think that in those Ether Vile decks, this is totally fine. I think that in standard, I, I think it'll do like plenty of things. But the thing that I really like is just how well it works with battles generally because it has flying. So it is decent at flipping your battles when it attacks also a battle that has flipped if you want to get the spell effect again you can blink the battle and then you have you get the spell effect and then you have a flyer in play to help flip it back into a creature if you want to do that you can't blink the battle with this card it only gets creatures and artifacts right but the battles that have flipped into a creature then you can get oh, 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 okay. the battle effect again I was, but you I do was, have to have attacked it down which is kind of the goal so i don't know how often but since this is a flyer like i think it just kind of plays both sides of that game pretty well yeah i honestly don't spend a lot of time evaluating the creature half of the backside of battles a lot of the battle dimensions are just like enchantments on the backside. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a failure on my part. I know some people are hyped about Invasion of Ikoria. I think that's the one where you can tutor for a creature. Like tutor for Vampire Axe Mage and flip it. Yeah, I, I put that on. I don't actually care about that at all, but I know that people are going to do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll read the Invasion of Ikoria just, just to cover our bases. Because I'm, sure. I'm not interested in this, but it is a thing you can do if you want to like live the dream, I guess. Yeah. So invasion of Akoria. Here you are. So XGG for a battle, a siege, six defense on this one. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, search your library and or graveyard for a non-human creature card with mana value X or less and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So the, the joke is you get a vampire hex mage. Yeah. And then you can sack the hex mage to remove the six defense counters. I don't know what kind of counters it gets. Mm -hmm. And then because you've removed all counters, you can cast the backside, which is Zalortha, Apex of Akoria. Okay, shout out to the backside of this card, though, because Zalortha is the the Godzilla buy a box promo from mm. Akoria, where it was just like Godzilla, big angry guy, as the art. And Zalortha yeah. was the real name of the card, but had no art associated with it. <laughs> <laughs> so good job, Zalortha. You're finally on a card. Uh, but it's a reach 8-8. And each non-human creature you control, you can have that creature assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. So it's basically an 80 unblockable that also gives your other stuff unblockable or unpreventable damage. It's got like that rocks, thorn elemental type deal. Yeah, yeah. But I mean... It's mostly an 8-8, eight, eight, yeah. We're not beating this thing in combat on turn three or whatever after you vampire hex maged it out. <laughs> 
It's just yes. like, is that good enough? Because this is still a two drop in modern, because we're talking modern if you're playing Vampire X Mage, mm-hmm. which means your opponent can just prismatic ending Zalortha after taking eight because you can <laughs> hex mage at instant speed. Mm-hmm. You just like take eight on the chin, kill their two card combo with your prismatic ending, and you're just good to go. Yeah, or they fatal push it and you don't even get the attack. Yeah, or they fatal push it. Rough. Yeah, I'm not. And it costs four mana to do it, so I don't. And you just put Vampire Hex Page and this card in your deck. Yes, that that's not the best. And I'm I'm good on Vampire Hex Mage when the combos like make a merit Lage, but I'm pretty low on Vampire Hex Mage when it's anything else. Yeah, <laughs> I have seen some people talk about playing this in lands. I don't really know if that's a thing that people should. Is that be even doing good enough? I didn't think so, but somebody like wrote a very serious, somebody who plays a lot of lands, I don't even remember, but like wrote a, a in-depth Twitter thread about it. So it's a possibility. Really the most remarkable thing about this card to me is that it's another Akoria card. And there's a lot of Akoria cards in the set and I love Akoria. Sure. Uh, let me pull up a card because we just like, kind of jumped over everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I want to talk about the Ozolith. Yeah. Because we, ha- we have talked about this before, I know, with me because it got spoiled a couple weeks ago. But I haven't seen this card in action now. So this is Ozolith Shattered, the Shattered Spire. It's one energy legendary artifact with cycling two. Uh, and it has the hardened skills effect. So if one or more plus one counters that we put on an artifact or a creature you control, you can put that many plus one counters on it. And then it has a one energy and a tap ability to put a plus one counter on an artifact or creature you control only as a sorcery. So this is neat as it is another hardened scales effect for the modern hardened scales deck mm-hmm. theoretically you can play it in pioneer but i think pioneer hardened scales is always going to be bad until there is an actual outlet to use plus ones encounters on uh you have to hangerback ball hangerback walker is not good enough like you have no reliable ways to actually cash it out right. unless you're putting some like pretty bad black cards in your deck you're saying walking ballista like you're saying it without saying it but it's walking ballista. yeah yeah you need thing. walking ballista that card's banned yeah. and there's nothing like walking ballista adjacent right. like making a big board of creatures over time is just kind of worse than what mono green has yeah like we we said this before but basically like plus one plus one counter plus one plus one counters can't only be stats for the combat phase for your deck to actually be good they have to be paying you in some other way and that's walking ballista mostly hangerback walker is nice but still doesn't quite get there i think if pioneer had no walking ballista but did have something like arcbound ravager mm-hmm. kind of specifically i think card and skills could be a deck because sure. it's just so efficient and so good at everything it does mm-hmm. while working perfectly well the the counter effects that you could make something work but mostly sure. i just kind of see this as another effect in modern like it's another couple copies of hard scales for your modern deck uh, i know dom wrote an article for star city about this deck where he did a deck list or two uh which he ended up cutting patch or automaton which is the uh, neon dynasty get big robot with mm-hmm. a board yeah I, I don't know if i super agree with that but it is something you can do it's not like a super strong card in the deck basically it's just the ozolith is more copies of hardened scales that dodges kind of your weakness to engine explosives at one it actually stays on the board <laughs> and yeah. it gives you value over time if you draw an extra copy or sometimes you draw too many garden scales the card hardened scales and you, you can't really leverage them because you just run out of a counters card and you're just putting hardened scales on the battlefield and you 
died pretty quickly after that. <laughs> Unless you're top decking wall keep list, I guess. Yeah, I think automaton is really important. It is. I have been told, and I this appears correct to me that it's just like how you beat Merktide. Basically, you play the automaton. They can't kill it that turn because of the ward, and then you get it too big to die to unholy heat and get it bigger than Merktide and everything, and just kill them with it. Yeah, I I, I like pressure automaton. I. I can sympathize with cutting down on copies of it for sure because it's pretty unimpressive in a lot of matchups, and that's kind of the problem with modern hardened scales. Mm -hmm. Is it's a very good Urza Saga deck, um, but it has problems with those go over the top decks. Like creativity is on an upswing right now, and it's really bad against creativity. Yeah, that's true. It is one other thing is it's also kind of cool for however however much it comes up that this Ozolith is an artifact so it's a hardened scales that you can sacrifice to your archbound ravager or triggers your patchwork automaton or whatever so that's i don't know if you said that already and you're looking at me like why are you no no i did i didn't say it explicitly <laughs> okay I, but i did say like archbound ravager and artifact somewhere in here <laughs> yeah. yeah but it does have additional synergies even like obviously costing one is like the best synergy possible but this does pay you a little bit extra for the fact that it costs two mana the saddest part is that ancient stirrings is increasingly a worse and worse card yeah <laughs> in scales because all these artifacts are colored which you can't grab and you'd really like to be able to have a grabbable uh hardened scales effect with like ancient stirrings and that's just not a thing you can do yeah but you know someone did get fifth at the the open this past weekend with hardened scales yeah playing some ozoliths in their deck i mean i think ozolith powers up the deck and anytime that people are really not thinking about hardened scales at all like you can just die to it if people are playing like creature decks generally and they just get run over it's really good against other people that are playing fair and mm -hmm. don't have the right cards to interact with all your like assembling pieces yeah because it's a very hard skills is a very good deck of grinding yes because every time you kill a creature it just it doesn't yeah, matter. the counters go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they either go on the next creature or they go to the Ozolith, the first Ozolith, and then those counters get redistributed. Yeah. Also, the fact that this Ozolith works when counters get put on the original Ozolith and you get an additional counter for that transaction and then you get an additional counter when you put those counters onto another creature. This is nice. Yeah, Ozoliths work well together. They do. Also, I'm like a, a pretty big hardened scales simp, I guess, because yeah. I, I really like seeing that deck play. No, I don't play it much, but I do really like the deck generally. I think I'll probably build it because I don't super enjoy playing any deck in modern right now. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just want to jam some hardened scales. I mean, I some ozoliths. Can we can we like start calling it the ozoliths deck? There's more of those. Yeah, there are more ozoliths than there are scales. <laughs> but scales, I think, remains your best card. I mean, Ravager is, is pretty good. There's a saga. There's a lot of good cards. Yeah, but like have having scales in your opening hand is probably the biggest predictor of yeah, turn like, one scales is the best yeah it's the best exactly all right hit me uh all right we've got hit it sugo and carry this is two blue blue black for a five four flying when it etvs you brainstorm draw three then put two on top in any order when it dies, exile the top card of your library. Target opponent loses life equal to its mana value. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. So this is... Are you looking up the giant red card? I don't yeah, know the this... name of. Yeah, uh, that's not the right one. What is it? So I just... It's called Explosive red, Singularity. Red, right? 
Yeah, it's Explosive Singularity. Yeah, Explosive Singularity is a card that costs eight red red. Uh, it basically has Convoke, and it's a sorcery that deals 10 damage to any target. So you flip this off of your library with your Hitetsugo and Carry Trigger, and you deal 20 to your opponent. Yeah, it's very adorable because the first like deal 10 card was Hidetsugu's second, right? Yeah. And now we have Hidetsugu performing the right a second time. The entire thing, though. He deals 10 and then he deals the other 10. Mm-hmm. It, it's neat. I don't think it's good, but Probably the card Hidetsugu, like that combo, I don't think is good. No. Because, but, you know, you're playing 10 mana red cards that have to be drawn yeah. in a specific window and but, you have to kill your own Hidetsugu. This card has a ton of value to it. it the card is really good, though. Yeah. Like it brainstorms coming in, it's a five four flyer, and then when it dies, you they you flip the top card of your library, they lose life, and if it's an instant or sorcery, you get to cast it for free. I don't know how many instances of sorceries, I don't know the likelihood of this, but you can at least like insulate this, like the turn it comes into play by putting an instant or sorcery on top of your library. They want to kill it and not get hit by a five power flyer, and then you get to cast a free spell and you have like three for one of them or whatever. Yeah, in a, in a world where Esper Legends is a sh very strong deck, uh, this is a good top-end option for that deck. Well, Esper Legends doesn't play very many instants or sorceries. Yes, but it's huge, and it draws cards, yeah. and it does dome them. It like, does it dome them, It is not them, a bad yeah. top-end. Right. I'm not going to say it's great, or like an auto-include, but it is. Maybe you're not getting the full value out of the card, but you are still playing a 5-4 flyer that drew you a card while, while yeah. card-selecting you, and you get to deal damage to them. <laughs> And people will die to the Explosive Singularity deck. Like, that's going to exist. So. It's just in standard, and I think you can mostly make it work. How do you get rid of Hidetsugu and Kairi? Do you know? So Kairi. there's the one drop, which I think is actually, like, one oh, of the, the better cards the, in the set. The backup card? Yeah. Well, it's, let's uh, talk about this card, because I want to talk about this card. Yeah. Also, side note on backup, this is a sick ability i love yeah, that it's, it's such a good design so scorn blade berserker is the card we're referencing it's a black mana 01 with backup one so if you don't know backup is it's when this creature has battlefield you can put plus one counter target creature if it's another creature it gains the following ability until the turn and the ability it gains is one sacrifices creature draw card so you're saying with hadetsuga and kairi you can play this card after it you can even do it the turn after i guess to yeah that's true if you untap with it then you can do this as a yeah this is basically an alters reap in that situation but it just lets you sacrifice it but i i do think that scornblade berserker is just a really really good card like the floor of this is a one mana one two that can sacrifice a draw card but basically it is both fodder for sacrifice effects and an enabler for sacrifice effects and like works really well just generally with mayhem devil type shenanigans and whatever else you've got going on it is a one drop that you can sacrifice that gives you other value and also just lets you sacrifice things if you need something to sacrifice them to i, I like this card it's the, the best part is it's fodder while being an enabler which is not yeah. always the case like it's not just a split card like it's not just an enabler or fodder it's both no it, it does both not not even just one or the other yeah exactly uh yeah, I, I like the text on this card a lot, but I don't know exactly where it fits in. It, it seems like a solution to any problem you find in deck building, but not yeah. like a card. You're like, ah, oh, this is the what it was missing. We're going to build a deck around Scorch Blade Berserker kind of deal. 
No, but it's cards like this that like make decks able to exist. It's just yes. like here's a slot that just makes all of the stuff smoother. My A plus B is going to get there because this card is like subsidizing both halves of the equation. It's also pretty cool that it's a one two. Like a utility creature this good usually does not get like stats like one two on the battlefield if you need to play it against an aggressive deck. Yeah, but if you have to drop this turn one, it will trade with something, you know, with their two one or whatever. Yeah, and it can hold off one one tokens, which you can't do with a one one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, for a one mana spell, I think this just does a ton. Yeah, and the floor is pretty high or low on one mana spells. Like they don't they don't need to do a lot to be played because they're so cheap, but this one does. <laughs> Uh, have you all talked about Kroxa and Kunaros? Because I want to talk about that card. Yeah, I mean, I brought it up when Collins was on the cast. Talked about the Altar of Dementia combo. and That's, also, that's kind of the only thing relevant yeah. about it, that you can Alter Dementia it and maybe build a Goryeo's Vengeance deck in Modern with it as well. Because you... If you mill over like an Emrakul or whatever, you can just Goryeo's Vengeance that thing down. Yeah. Also, its type line is Elder Giant Dog, which I think is very cute. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i mean i think that it it may also be a topper in mid-range decks in standard but it is mostly just that oh wow this is ridiculous we, with altar of dementia all right i want to talk about jerry and hazard because if you're mentioning mid-range decks in standard i want to talk about plaza heroes sure. a card i think is just ridiculous <laughs> uh, especially in standard where you have so many ways to enable it mm-hmm. now i was talking with robert stanley this weekend and he told me that he had tried to build just a billion plaza of heroes x of like a every color combination yeah <laughs> before the there's Pro a Tour. lot of legends in this set and yes <laughs> legends were already pretty good so and he said he liked naya a lot but the problem was there's no good like it's hard to beat esper legends four drop slot of just like shieldred shieldred yeah. and urtai if you want to play that mm-hmm and the other colors don't really have four drops or high end that you really mm-hmm. care about playing. But since you've got this, mostly because Malira was so good, like green, white, Malira, Skrelv into Malira is very strong. Jero mm-hmm. uh, and Hazret is a new card. It's a two red, red, white, five, four legendary human god. If you have one or fewer cards in hand, they have a vigilance and haste. Uh, whenever they attack, look at the top six cards of your library. You can exile legendary creature cards from among them, put the rest on the bottom, and until end of turn, you can cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. So this is a, a generous Wynota. It is not nearly as powerful as Wynota, thank God, but it is in that vein where it's a good, aggressive top end that also just draws a bunch of cards and casts them for free. You get one every time this attacks, but yeah. it digs deep. And you sure. just get whatever legendary card. There's no cost associated with it. It also can be a human, I guess, which White Oda could not do. <laughs> yeah. I am, you know, a little hesitant just because it has that hazard text for, you know, you have to have one of your cards in hand for it to have haste. For having, yes. So when if whenever this comes down and doesn't attack, that's not good. You know, that's a pretty bad card. So you do need to be aggressive enough, be have your curve be low enough that this is very likely to attack when you can cast it and uh you know then that does reduce a little bit the the value of the trigger because your curve is low so you're getting like cheaper things generally but if you get anything you know if this attacks and makes a 3-3 like that's good especially a 3-3 that protects this so it can attack again like 
if you do this and attack and put a Malira in play and they're like, oh, well, I can't block that now. That doesn't do anything. Well, it's not exactly the same as Minota because you don't get to cast the card oh, right you, away. It, until end of turn, you can cast it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you basically right. have to get through combat unless the creature has flash. Gotcha. And then once you're done with combat, you just cast the creature. Yeah. Which means okay. technically you can like attack with Jira and Hazret. And if you don't find anything, else, flip another Jira and Hazret. And if they kill your the one that's, that's attacking, you just like play the second one. Yeah, that's kind of sick, actually. That may be like a real like part of what this card is doing. It's just, you know, I'm just going to put another one in play if you block this. Yeah. It, it's kind of bad if they don't block it. Well, air quotes, they're taking five. They take five. But- <laughs> This, but it does have vigilance, so you, it's not like you're you can replace it to still block. You just like don't cast the other one, and yeah. it's okay. But I think if we can continue exploring the Plaza of Heroes aggro deck space, Jaren Hazret is not a bad place to look, and I think a, a lot better than something like Crooks and Kunaris for like a mid range topper. Yeah, well, at least for it, it just depends on how aggressive you are. It, yeah, it depends on how aggressive and what you're doing with your deck. But I like that kind of the lower mid-rangier rather than mm-hmm. going that big like with Kroxa. sure especially since Kroxa went from two mana to like six mana like whew, well, he's been not on a diet but he is a six six lifelink vigilance menace at this point <laughs> i'm pretty sure kunaros is like all of those abilities <laughs> uh kunaros is the lifelink vigilance and the menace so yes <laughs> Sometimes these legends, you like know what people are bringing to the table. Like mm-hmm. Crooks is the weird reanimate stuff, and Kunros is the acute words. I think you uh, usually can tell pretty easily. They did a, a nice job with these. Like it, 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 I mean, some of them do feel a little scotch taped together, but the ones that create like a cohesive, like, oh, all of these abilities kind of work together is nice. But with pretty much all of them, you can tell like which legend the abilities came from. And I like my favorite one is like Borborygmos and Fibblethip, where Borborygmos <laughs> does everything, and Fibblethip is Fibblethip like, right, time, to, time to get out of here. <laughs> no, he, he's like put the put Borborygmos and Fibblethip on like the third from the top or whatever, like the yeah. totally lost text. I mean, I think you get the card draw on ETV from Fibblethip, right? I don't have the card up in front of me. Does it yeah. actually draw a card when it enters the battlefield? Yeah. Oh it's, yeah, because it's whenever you you to do the weird like looting discard land thing. Yeah, I mean Fibblethip's helping. He doesn't look like he's helping, but he's helping. <laughs> he certainly can't be as powerful in combat as Borborygmos because he's just like hanging on. No, the 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 entire power and toughness is from Borborygmos. This is a very classic. What the hell is Fibblethip doing? Uh, his best. <laughs> And honestly, Borbrigmos probably just doesn't even realize he's there. <laughs> That's true. It's like a sixteenth of his size. What a wild activated ability. One in a blue. Put it into its owner's library third from the top. You know, for later. I guess if they aim a removal spell at it and you just have the mana up, you're just like, yeah, I probably want to draw this in three turns. I guess I'll activate it. But <laughs> yeah, It's kind of wild. Uh, another team up card that I am into is hmm, I'm just looking at two, two team up cards that begin with Z and I'm like kind of into both of them. I'm going to pick the one that is worse to go with right now, which is Zergo and Ojitai. This is two blue, red, white for a four, four flying haste. It has hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. 
Whenever one or more dragons you control deal combat damage to a player or battle, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. You may return one of those dragons to its owner's hand. So that's that's the Zergo part. That's the dash <laughs> bit. I guess the haste part is also Zergo, but that's all dash. Zergo could be replaced by any Mardu creature from that set. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's funny that they, I mean, I guess because it's the timeline that we are in now, but they went with Zergo Bellringer and not Zergo Helm Smasher for this one. Yeah, because that's, that's the timeline. At yeah. least this card can block creatures with power more than two. That's true. Uh, I don't think you're blocking with this card very often, though. This... I also don't think you're returning to its hand very often, though. Well, I think there are actually situations. I mean, just think about like how like Raghavan playing around Prismatic Ending is like a thing. You're just like, I'm never casting this. I'm just going to keep hitting you with it. And if, you know, your opponent's removal is all Wandering Emperor and Farewell and Ossification and Laydown Arms then you just keep casting this and hitting your opponent with it and they just can't do anything about it. That's true. This could be really good against Mono White. Uh, it's just, I, I balk because a two mana Vyashino Sandstalker, like Ragavan, a lot cheaper than a, a lot five cheaper than a five mana one. one. Yeah, it's a very specialized use case. But the main use case is five mana, four four, flying haste. It gets you a card. They can't stop it that turn, and then they have to deal with it on their turn. If they don't, they just die. And it also triggers off of hitting battles, which I think is pretty sick because like four damage is quite a bit that'll flip a decent number of battles unfortunately like very specifically doesn't flip the dragon battle invasion of tarkir yeah it costs because it starts with five defense yeah i think very intentionally starts with five defense so this is the one that deals x damage to any target when it etbs where or two plus x and you reveal dragon cards from your hand to deal the additional damage which i think it very intentionally has five defense because four would be really easy to flip with most of the good dragons that you would play in this deck so it is a little awkward that this card like kind of takes two dragon hits to take out most of the time but i think it would be very good if just a hit from any dragon flipped this thing it flips into a four four dragon that whenever a dragon you control attacks it deals two damage to any target i was kind of looking at the dragons in standard to see if we could form like a invasion of tarkir style deck Mm -hmm. especially since with the bounce ability maybe you can do something with zergo but the only good dragons to bounce are like shiv and devastator which is the x and red enters the battlefield the next plus also counters flying ace yeah whatever. and then phyrexian dragon engine which is sweet but i can't see how it fits no in this deck. i don't think so but <laughs> i think that right i don't i'm not too worried about the bounce thing i'm not really trying to bounce my dragons to my hand too much unless oh i wasn't a... i wasn't trying to but i wanted I to see what the synergies were but I think the synergies are just that, like, Atsushi is a good playable dragon. And oh, Capricious one... Hellraiser? Yeah. <laughs> Bounce that to your hand? <laughs> Bounce Capricious Hellraiser. <laughs> uh, Capricious Hellraiser can cast Invasion of Tarkir from your graveyard. It is a non-creature spell. Yeah, it's all coming together. We just keep bouncing our Capricious Hellraiser. Long after our Zorgo Nojitai has lost Hexproof. Yeah. I mean, bouncier Invasion of Tarkir, and then you get to recast it. But yeah, if you're I don't think hitting you're them with the dragon side, I think you just want to keep hitting well, them the with the dragon side. The backside of Invasion of Tarkir is so good. Yes. The 4-4 yes. that shocks whenever a dragon attacks, you're never bouncing that thing. No, you're not. Unless it, I, I can't, unless it kills them to cast Especially it since the whenever you attack with the Thunderball on the flip side, it does 2 damage. And I know. You, 
then pick up the thing you're still just doing two damage like yeah <laughs> but you're doing it because they ended that combat step at two and then you bounce it and cast it wait does invasion park your hit face yes oh neat for some reason i thought it could only hit creatures or other battles but yeah yeah it, it any other face. target which is i think just like a huge selling point of the card all right dragons are back on the menu i think they might be i mean you know Two mana, three damage to any target, which is kind of like the baseline. You assume you'll have one dragon in hand if you're running a healthy number of dragons in your deck. Like, that's okay. Anytime this is two mana for four damage to anything, like, that's an unreal card. Especially if we can actually play with Capricious Hellraiser. Yeah. Not not too far-fetched since the Pro Tour was just that, right? Well, you had to run a lot of uh, sagas to make that card work. Yeah. Sagas and battles are not the same type of card. No. Anyway, I guess that's enough dragoning. Yeah, but I mean, I am into Zergo and Ojitai. I think it is like very good against Mono White in a weird way, but it also just... And Jeskai Mana is not easy to bring to the table, but I think this card is really good. If a deck can exist that has that mana and wants the effect. Yeah, that, that's one of the downsides about like this card, as opposed to... I want to talk about Zamona Dina next. Mm-hmm. Like Zamona Dina is just a Sultai 3-4. Like it's yeah. a one of each color. The mana for Sultai is also not very good, but mm-hmm. because Plaza of Heroes kind of wants you to play Legends and is better at making... Like a 5-drop with Zergo and Ojitai is a lot less important to fix for mana for than the 3-drop, yeah. which means Plaza of Heroes' value goes up, up dramatically when you're casting something like Zamona Dina. Sure. Which I guess I'll read Zamona Dina now. Yeah, go for it. Sultai mana for 3-4. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, uh, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. And you can tap her and sacrifice another creature to draw a card. You can put a land card from your hand to the battlefield tapped. And if you control eight or more lands, do it again. Do it again once. Like, you know, it doesn't go infinite. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> this was on your list. Anything you wanted to say about it? I like this card, generally speaking. Yeah, I mean, I think that just... If you get to start using it, this is a really like most of the time when we're able to sacrifice creatures, like the thing you get out of sacrificing the creature isn't actually that good. It just is that like sacrificing creatures has a lot of synergies and you can make it good. So but but this is a little different. You actually get like a really good effect out of sacrificing the creature. You get to draw a card, put a land into play. And if it is late in the game, then you're actually like going way up on cards. And and also, like if you are activating her, you get to those eight lands in play much more quickly. So, you know, this is a pretty big payoff if it actually works. It is a three, four for three mana, which means that it's, you know, not the easiest to kill. Toughness based stuff doesn't kill it as easily on that curve. Uh, you do want to be casting it on turn three and you do mostly need to untap with it. But it is the same colors as Tyvar. So you may be able to haste it up a little bit and get that activated ability going more quickly. And Tyvar does provide fodder for Zamanadina as well. Yeah, and yeah. He- so I kind of, I don't know. I Maybe there is something with it in Standard, but also like maybe in Pioneer, there could be some deck where you're just kind of like 
leaning on Tyvar's synergies with other things too. Like if you can play this and like Priest of Forgotten Gods and or Fiend Artisan with fodder things. I don't know. This just like really, really pays you for having stuff to sacrifice. And she's they're also a 3-4 for 3, so it is a reasonable body too. So you keep draining your opponent too. So Yeah, you, I wanted to mention that's a like lot. Those. The two things I, I want to measure on this card. The first one is that usually cards like these, these value-oriented cards, mm-hmm. are really good at like accumulating value over the game. But you do they don't get you closer to ending the game. You just have to cast all the cards in your hand. This mm-hmm. card actually does get you closer to winning the game. Yeah. It keeps killing your opponent. Like every time, you, every time you use this card on your turn early game, it's gonna hit your opponent. Uh, and then late game, it doesn't matter which turn you use it on because if you evade lands in play, you're always drawing two cards. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, it is nice. And I said you can use this on your opponent's turn because it is actually an instant speed ability. There's a lot of these nowadays that are just like you can only use this at sorcery speed or it costs mana. This mm-hmm. doesn't cost mana and you can use it at instant speed. Yeah. So this makes all your creatures not immune to removal, but immune to the card disadvantage of removal for sure. Mm-hmm. Unless it's pointed at some momentina. <laughs> Which probably, if they can, they will. But that's a good... That's recommends the three mana creature if it's just like do i kill this or anything else i probably have to kill this yeah since it since killing anything and, and not all removal hits the moment Dina, right mm-hmm. like if they have to point a small removal at a small thing then you can just sacrifice it and draw a card yeah i mean if this thing like died to cut down i don't think i'd be interested in it at all but it doesn't die to cut down it doesn't die to much red removal so I also like how this is one of the few legend pairs that like compress their mana costs because these are both two drops in Strixhaven. But mm. Sharon Green mana in this card. Yeah, very cute. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about Invasion of Kaldheim. Have you talked about this one before? Uh, no. Because I think this is a more unusual one. So this is Oh, a... this one, yeah. Oh, this one. You sound so excited. Yeah. It's sweet. I really like the art on this card, both sides. But Invasion of Kaldheim is a four mana battle with four defense. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you exile all cards from your hand, then draw that many cards. And until the end of your next turn, you can play cards you exiled. Uh, once it flips, if you don't four damage to it, it flips into Pyre of the World Tree, which is an enchantment with the seismic assault ability. You can discard a land to shock anything. And whenever you discard a land card, you exile the top card of your library. You can play that card this turn. I just kind of like this card in general, but the backside is very aspirational for me. <laughs> like, Yeah, I I think that this card is interesting. I mean, the backside is like super powerful. Like you, you want to flip it and get that like crazy uh, seismic assault that draws you a card, most of a card for every time you activate it. But... This card, I think, is mostly about the front side. I think in cards, I, that... I agree. The, the front side is good. Like it's just a big refill that doesn't have you go down in cards. Usually, these wheels are like, all right, trade your hand out. Uh, yeah, but this one goes a little further. Well, and I mean that you know general effect of just like refill, like s- swap your hand out. Don't go down on cards. Like that costs three mana. This costs an extra mana, and it is a sorcery, but what you get out of it is you get to cast the cards in your hand on the next turn. So what kind of I think this is telling you to do is, like, cast this, pitch your whole hand, draw a bunch of cards, and then do a storm combo with, like, 11 cards that you have access to on this turn. 
Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. That is a good point. It's a little expensive for that, but it is good. It is, but maybe you burn one ritual to get this out a turn early or something like that, and then you... I mean, I guess then that's one fewer card that it is getting you to, so like you're kind of losing two cards in order to ritual it out a turn early, so I don't I don't know. I was kind of thinking of a, a, a mid-range deck, or not mid-range in the truest sense, but a, a mid <laughs> deck uh-huh. where you... You're playing a normal game, but you have some really good two-card synergy that you're looking to achieve. Not like creativity plus token kind of deal, but just mm-hmm. any two cards that are much stronger together. Sure. So this card is the card advantage engine that digs you closer to that while being... You're not super interested in killing them up front, so you can afford to attack the battle, get the battle, or get the, uh, get the world tree, mm-hmm. and then use that to keep trying to assemble your synergy. That's kind yeah. of where I had envisioned the card. Just yeah, abstractly. and I mean that that seems like a more common use case if it's playable in standard, but I I do think that this has some attraction to it in older formats, like whenever you can play it with like runaway steamkin type cards or whatever, and you wanna just have a, a big old turn, this can enable that potentially. See, runaway steamkin is the one card that I keep playing with and I keep mm-hmm. being disappointed at it. Like yeah, every mean, time. I'm like, why do I keep doing this? the only card in your deck that gets fatal pushed, it gets fatal pushed every time and that makes it pretty bad. It's just also disappointing. <laughs> like it's never as good as I need it to be. I think it just, I don't know. I've played some of these goofy decks and it's always like pretty stunning when you do get to untap with it. It's a showcase card. Like it, it works when everything is going well and it just mm-hmm. makes your deck work better. But it, every time the game is not a showcase, like where you're just goldfishing your opponent, it's so bad. And yeah. I keep playing these decks because I want to chase that high, but I never get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Invasion of Kaldheim is, it's a weird one. And I think that it's just going to do stuff that is kind of unexpected. It's, it's just going to show up in lists that, that kind of couldn't have existed before. If, if it Invasion of Kaldheim is like the battle. Where people are like, how do you evaluate battles? Like before this set came out, or even like this past weekend when I could actually play with the cards. I don't and I look at something like Invasion of Kaldheim, and I'm like, I don't exactly know yet. Like it, yeah. this seems like you can do a couple different things with it, and there's probably something I even have thought of that you can do with it. You know? Yeah. And what decks does it go in, and how does it play, and are you supposed to attack it, and how do you attack it, and all these things where it's just like Invasion of Govicon's pretty easy. You just, I can envision it pretty easily, and that like. Uh, more mid-range white deck we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. but when you go to invasion of Kaldheim, it's just i don't know it looks neat though it's got a lot of words on it yeah it is very expensive for a card that doesn't do anything that cycles that you hand. cast it yeah. uh unless you already have enough power in play to flip it and then it can start doing its thing but i do think it's pretty tough to flip a four defense four mana battle like the turn that you cast it i i'm not sure that that is super likely to happen yeah especially in red you don't want to point actual spells at the at the battles i mean i think that the backside of this is powerful enough that it can be worth it like sometimes you will cast your nahiri's warcrafting to flip this thing and then start pitching lands oh, and get can we talk about nahiri's warcrafting please i love that card it's really good all right here i'll read this one and you can talk about it uh, here's Warcrafting is one red red sorcery deals five damage to target creature planeswalker or battle you look at the top x cards of your library where x is the excess damage dealt this way 
you can exile one of those cards, put the rest on the bottom, and you can play the exiled card this turn. I mean, this isn't just a card that you can put in your red deck that kills Shieldred that you don't feel bad about, right? It's so good. Like, it's it's a removal spell mm-hmm. at the cost that's, like, just low enough or, like, just high enough that you don't feel terrible about playing it. Like, it kills stuff like Shieldred and the new Baneslayer Angel mm-hmm. in this set that you just don't have, a, you don't want to play, like, Rending's Flame for. Yeah. And you do not have to play Rending Flame anymore. Yeah, and if you deploy this as a small thing, you're just drawing a card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that can, is. Very I mean, you powerful. do have to play the card this turn, so yes. there are definitely times that you're just like, okay, I have to. It's turn three. I'm spending have this to kill, to kill a small creature. I well, yeah, you never get a card when you kill Shieldred, <laughs> but sometimes you're just like, I all right, like I have to kill that siege veteran or whatever, and I I won't won't get the card. But anytime after turn three, like if you hit a land, you can play the land that does let you do that, and if you have extra mana than whatever you hit you probably can play so i think it doesn't it's not necessarily going to give you a card as often as you might think reading it it is mostly a three mana five damage spell with enough upside that like you can put this in your deck and you don't like just there's a lot of times that you draw the three mana five damage spell and you're just like this is garbage and i think this fixes a lot of those spots yeah like the only one i remember is fight with fire where you would mm-hmm. just board that in to try to kill Lyra's. Yeah, and you'd it's be like, not God, I hate fight with fire. It's so bad. Unless I flood out horrendously, then I've got a dream, <laughs> and it just like never happened. I I did love that limited format because of killing people with fight with fire kicked, sometimes copied, and also killing people with what was his name, Liliana's brother or whatever, Joseph S. Joseph S. Yes, and just make a bunch of two two menace cards that makes like forty two two menace zombies. It makes enough that is lethal because they all have menace and it's impossible to block them all. And a nine mana kicked cost was extremely doable in that set. Man, I don't like Joseph S. <laughs> um, I loved killing people with it. I probably just died to it too many times. Yeah. But I do think that there are times where, especially against a deck that like isn't running that many creatures, so like Nahiri's Warcrafting would be dead anyways, but if you have battles in your deck, then that is just an additional use for this card that you are just like, okay, well, I I don't have any targets from your deck to kill with this Nahiri's Warcrafting, but I can aim this at my own Invasion of Tarkir, flip that into a dragon, and like I turned this three mana removal spell into a big dragon threat that now you have to deal with. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Nihiri's Warcrafting. I don't think it's like is groundbreaking or anything. No, it's a very good role player. But very it's nice. Good role player. Yeah. Uh, speaking of like kind of nice upgrades, uh, can we talk about Volcanic Spite? Yeah. So Volcanic Spite is a one in red instant, deals three damage to start creature, planeswalker, or battle, and you can put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you do a draw a card fire prophecy but it hits planeswalkers is enough better even if you don't have battles like it's a strict upgrade to a card that sees a lot of play yeah it's just a strict upgrade to fire prophecy i i saw people looking this was like another card that people were looking for yeah uh for pioneer like creativity decks where you'd want fire prophecy to dig to your combo people were looking for a volcanic spite all right let's get that because it's just strictly better yeah i just in my creativity deck that i am working on I, I played a league and then realized, like, oh, yeah, I should sub these out. So I did that as the last thing on my stream so I don't forget when I log on next time. This is another one of those cards where I saw people looking for them, and if, like, they didn't get them, eh, it's not that bad. Nah, it's all right. But it is a strict upgrade. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's nice to be able to hit Planeswalkers. Uh, I just, just, like, they have done a good job of making a lot of removal spells hit Planeswalkers, so, so we're slowly working through all of the red removal spells. It does let them print cards, like the red and realm breaker or something like the a three mana four loyalty planeswalker a mm-hmm. lot easier when half the real spells can just hit something for three yeah true all um, right, you can pick a card now i feel like i've segued us enough all right <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about shieldred this is the flip one three black black for a four five menace when it etbs each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature or planeswalker Four and a black, exile shieldred, then return it to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control. Activate only as a sorcery and only if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And then the back side is... The True Scriptures. The True Scriptures. It is a saga. Chapter one, for each opponent, destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker that player controls. Chapter two, each opponent discards three cards and mills three cards. Chapter three, put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Exile the true scriptures, then return it to the battlefield. So, you know, for a mid-range deck, this is a big, like, pseudo flametongue kavu. Like, it can kill something of any size, but only if that's, like, the only thing that they have in play. So you're trying to, like, manage their other things. But anytime you kind of like manage their threats and you're like one for oneing, and then they put a creature or planeswalker in play for four or five mana and then you play shieldred and that thing dies, you are so far ahead. This is a four or five menace. It is tough to kill. It just killed something on the way in. And then if they don't kill it and the game goes long, like your your flametongue kavu now is just a card that wins the game in a long game where you have a lot of mana and they have cards in their graveyard yeah because after it fuels itself very well like it Mm -hmm. it drags the game on by by her nature like yeah you just make the game prolong with her etb and then if you can flip her the last chapter not only just reanimates everything under your control but also comes shielder comes back and makes them take another creature down (laughs) yeah (laughs) if they have one also like if you flipped her once then it's probably easy to flip her again Unless you return so many creatures that they don't have <laughs> any cards in the graveyard anymore. <laughs> but, like, it's it just, you know, even if they're, like, not playing very many creatures or you're not, it, like, the putting all creatures doesn't kill them. The, if you flip this once, then you can keep flipping it and just, like, getting all of the value from this. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just a Flamesome Kavu that wins a long game. The, the second chapter is debilitating, even if you, like the, you right. can't win with the third chapter because they have to discard three cards from their hand. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is so many cards. Yep, and you get what you pay for. I mean, you pay ten mana to just like put the socket into play, so it's gonna be good. Yeah, but the but, front side of four or five minutes CTP right. dung is nice. Yeah, and I I do love because like one of the things that can be hard when you're playing just a removal heavy like kind of reactive mid range deck is when your opponent is just like. Uh, okay, you don't really have a board. I'm just going to play my five mana Planeswalker that gets card advantage. And if you can just play this and then it dies and then they have to deal with your four or five menace too, uh, that's a that's a pretty nice spot. This reminds me of the Elder Dragon War a lot, which was a very strong card back in its day. Like it was the the punish card. and I mean, Not, thinking not Elder Dragon, Dragon War. War. The Eldest Reborn. The Eldest yeah, Reborn. yeah. And this is just like a 2023 version of that, just amped up. Yeah, Watsi saw people playing with the Eldest Reborn in their green-black decks, and they're like, we can do better. We can just upgrade this card in every conceivable way. Imagine if you play the Eternal Wanderer 
and then they just play a shieldred that eats it. I would be sad. Yeah. Especially if I, if I made a samurai, because you yeah. can't sacrifice the token. Right, exactly. But, I mean, that does make this just generally pretty good against Planeswalkers. Even the token-generating ones, it mostly kills as it comes down. Doesn't get rid of Ren and Realmbreaker, though, because that, that land's not a token. No, that's true. <laughs> I don't know that Ren and Realmbreaker is the thing you're the most worried about here, but... Yeah, probably not, especially on turn 5 or 6 or whatever, mm -hmm. whenever you're casting a Shieldred. Man, it's still so weird to have the Praetors just named without any title. It is odd. I guess they were worried about the amount of text. Just reduce that by two words, and then we can put as many as we want on the front and back of this thing. Chris... They are never, ever worried oh, about the amount of text on Magic I'm card. aware. <laughs> There's like two completely separate concepts for double face cards in this set. There's the really simple uncommons. Like this one gets prowess a bunch of times and now has ward. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm saying like that there is both like the Praetors that flip into sagas and then the battles which are a new card type with an etb and then they flip into who knows what on the other side yeah it's weird that they don't all flip into creatures and they or, or permanents even like some of them just flip into sorceries right <laughs> and one of them's a planeswalker with even more abilities that one is so bizarre it's so funny like that one flips into a teferi that just has like three non-teferi abilities it just like has knight synergies and stuff because the front side makes knights well they couldn't find another blue white planeswalker on such short notice yeah so we've got to make teferi the knight planeswalker like what do we have nico eris come in and just be the knight planeswalker that's silly <laughs> I mean, I guess one thing to point out about Shieldred is that it costs five mana. Invoke Despair also costs five mana. There is a tension there between which ones you run. But we did see in US regionals, you know, people playing different things in that slot is like that's kind of the impetus to play the reanimator deck is like, I don't actually think Invoke Despair as the top end is good enough right now for whatever reasons people just playing stuff that it's not as good against and so i'm going to do cruelty of gix instead and put some attractions into play as my top end my five drop and so i'm sure there are spots where like shieldred is is what you want over invoke despair the flip ability is a little tricky though because if you play this on turn five in standard uh it's good in that it gets a creature but it's at that point just a four or five minutes mm -hmm. you don't really get to activate it until much later in the game right your opponent's not just like spewing cards off oh for sure and it also prohibits you from playing Graveyard Trespasser if you want to do that. That's true. I mean, and that is, you know, all those decks play either Corpse Appraiser or Graveyard Trespasser. You'd have to Plaza of Heroes out some Shieldreds if you want to go that route. Yeah. <laughs> then you could play two different types of Shieldreds. And they're both probably pretty good. Yeah. Turn four Shieldred, turn five Shieldred. Easy. Protect them both with a <laughs> Too bad they're just dying too fast to the four mana shieldred if they if it stays in play. Yeah, but you can't flip the five mana one. No, you'll never get there. They're just at zero. <laughs> what other cards do you want to talk about? Um, my my list is almost exhausted because I think we've talked about all these cards previously. Yeah, but you've got some some fresh new faces. Well, so Rouse reinforcements is one in a red for sorcery. Create two one one blue and red elemental creature tokens. 
likely part of that convoke deck and you know it is a sorcery that makes creatures so that's nice because it triggers your monastery mentor or your third path iconoclast to give you a bonus creature and they are blue and red so they're extremely good at convoking your blue and red cards so i think that is a glue card for that rampaging raptor is a new slightly less text that you need to memorize questing beast but two red red for a 4-4 trample haste that whenever it deals combat damage to an opponent, deals that much damage to target planeswalker that player controls or battle that player protects. And it has two and a red, it gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. I mean yeah, this is part of my mythical mid-range deck that wants to attack the invasion of Tarkir. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what this is clearly so good at is taking out your battles. And I, I think that it's if you have a set of battles that you want to put in a deck that you can get an advantage off of flipping and you don't want to be like the most concerned with their life total, but this actually hits both. So even if you are like, yeah, I want to hit my opponent too, like this hits both and can probably create some pretty brutal cascading board states for, you know, that aren't really easy to overcome for your opponent. Mm -hmm. No vigilance or reach like questing beast though. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean no vigilance or can't be blocked by creatures with power two oh, or less yeah, yeah, and yeah. damage can't be prevented this turn and, <laughs> and death touch. Death and touch. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, Costa Rica had a lot of words on it, but it was legendary, so it was allowed to. This one you can have two of at the same time. Mm, that's true. Do you add there's a very popular four mana card that has five toughness and four power? That just like roadblocks this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this does not match up well against Shieldroid, but I guess you're running a bunch of Nihiri's Warcrafting in your red battle base deck. I mean, you're kind of forced to if yeah. you want to get through with your Raging Raptor without, <laughs> you know, sacrificing it and having to pump three mana into it to trigger the yeah. Shieldroid. Both Shieldroids are pretty good against Rampaging Raptor, I guess. Yeah, that's going to be a recurring feature, I think, of Standard for a little bit. It's mm -hmm. just how defining Shieldroid is as a card. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's going to change. It just is the way it's been for a while now. Why do you have Corrupting Conviction on this list? Because that's just a village rights reprint, right? Yeah, but we don't have village rights, and now we do. And also, if you really want eight village rights, you can run eight village rights now. I don't think I've ever wanted eight village rights. I mean, but you can run eight young pyromancers now. So here's here's a deck for you. young Four young pyromancer, four third path iconoclast, eight village rights four claim like to fame grixis, i'm grixis village rights right now oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> this is my this is my deck choice well okay so when you're village <laughs> what am i drawing in, into when you're village, village rights away your, your one ones and getting a one one all you want to do is like draw more village rights so now you can do what if that. i want to end the game well what if yeah I end the game ccr draw some cards draw some cards before you know enjoy yourself along the way we talked about Dina and Zavon because I like drawing cards and killing my opponent. I don't just want to draw a bunch of cards. Hey, Corrupted Conviction lets you draw two cards on their turn, thereby triggering Dina and oh Zavon. <laughs> we were playing so many colors in this Young Pyromancer deck. Well, okay, but no, the, the I'm just I'm talking about in your Zavon and Dina deck. You can also oh, oh, put course. a village rights in there. I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I do think that Invasion of Fiora is a kind of sweet top end or potentially sideboard card. I have to look this card up in Scryfall so I have to keep tilting my head sideways. Mm -hmm. So this is four black black for a four defense battle. When an ETBs choose one or both, destroy all legendary creatures, destroy all non-legendary creatures. 
And then it flips into Marchesa, Resolute Monarch, who is a 3-6 Menace Death Touch. Whenever she attacks, remove all counters from up to one target permanent. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if you haven't been dealt combat damage since your last turn, you draw a card and you lose one life. So a little, little bit of Monarch there, a little bit of flipping, like she wins every battle that she fights in. Kind of very cute. Yeah, Very flavorful card for Marchessa, who is yeah. like the iconic I'm going to win character in Magic. Yes. And she also like isn't really beatable in combat because she's a 3-6 menace death touch. Like, in, like how is somebody ever going to successfully block that? How's anyone going to dethrone her? Yeah. And, you know, the front side is... Six mana, yes, but it is a wrath that you can either use to like it's it's not like crux of fate or anything where like, oh man, maybe some of their creatures survive this. Like you can kill all creatures because it's choose one or both. Or if you're playing it in a legends deck, you get to plague wind them. Or if you're playing against a legends deck, you get to plague wind them. I think there's like a bunch of stuff going on here obviously it costs six mana so there's only so much stuff going on here but if you're especially like in a legends deck if you're able to just kill all of their stuff this is very easy to flip when you just plague wind them and then attack with whatever you've got i wonder if this is a better top end than five mana or yeah five mana shielded though because I, I know they're at the same card, mm-hmm. but putting a six mana card into your deck does it's ask tough. a lot. Especially your deck, like, you know, the way the Esper Legends deck works is that you are discarding all of your excess lands to Rafine, and also any excess lands beyond that that you're keeping are your channel lands. So you don't really put six lands into play most games. But potentially, you know, like... I, I can see sideboarding this in a Legends deck against other creatures decks when you can kind of end up sort of behind the eight ball and you're just kind of playing guys to survive and then eventually you cast this and then nothing that happened in the game before that matters and you just win. Yeah, it is. Flipping this is weird. I, li- I really like the back half of this card, but mm-hmm. it is very unusual. It is. I do like how Marchessa also just kills Planeswalkers, just straight up. Yeah, she is like the ultimate questing beast. <laughs> yes, the, the ultimate vampire hex mage. You can also kind of play this straight up. It, there's a, a card that costs two and a black that just removes five counters from a permanent and oh, you draw yeah, a card. It's the price of betrayal that cantrips. Yeah. So if Render Inert is the name of that card. If you're playing a bunch of battles in your deck and maybe you're not actually good at killing them with creatures because you're a more controlling deck, you could just run that card. And then when you cast this as your wrath, then at some point you just pay three mana to flip it into Marchessa and then they have to deal with Marchessa, who is a gigantic problem. I So I think we're brewing something kind of crazy here with this oh, um, absolutely. Render, render inert thing. But, you know, while we're on the deep end, uh, if Invasion of Innistrad is a four mana flash target, it's a battle with five defense, uh, with flash, and when it enters a battlefield, you can give a creature minus 13, minus 13. So it's mm-hmm. a very expensive removal spell. But if you're playing remove counters from permanent right. card, it has five defense, which is the number of counters you can remove. And it flips into this like enchantment that is so hard to beat uh, because when it enters a battlefield, you make two zombies. And then you can pay three mana and exile a card from any graveyard 
And if it's a creature, you make a 2-2 zombie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's an instant speed ability, not a sorcery ability. It's a, it's a, you know, we're here to just take creatures out of graveyards and put zombies into play. Yeah. Whenever. At the end of your turn, I'm going to spend every multiple of three mana that I've got to make two twos. (laughs) And and it makes two two twos on the front end too. Like once you, you can basically cast right, in right. three mana, remove counter cards for two two twos and a card. Right. Then that helps you get there, like keep the game going and eventually convert into making a bunch of two twos with the activated ability. Does this deck sound like a stretch? Absolutely. Yes. But it also like kind of sounds neat. <laughs> yeah, I'm like kind of about it. If we're rendering inert at all, I guess we're I guess this is something we can do. <laughs> Should you render inert? Doubtful. Unlikely. But you can't. But you know, this is a start. Oh god, are there any mana rocks in standard so we can actually cast our six mana Marchesa thing? <laughs> are we just like doing it the slow way? Uh one land drop at a time. Doing it the slow way. Oh baby. Reckoner Bankbuster treasure token is gonna come up here. Reckoner Bankbuster is tough in the decks that can't also just crew it to start pressuring planeswalkers and battles. Reckoner Bankbuster is pretty decent at taking out battles, probably. That card might be getting even better. Yeah, you just have to have a battle you want to be playing on turn three or four, or turn four or five, I guess. I mean, playing bank you know, it's two. it's not it doesn't like fit into a specific curve that's like fit flip this in immediately, but Except, it is just like yeah. you know, Reckoner Bankbuster sits there, generally doesn't die, kind of gives your creatures haste, and is probably pretty good at taking out your battles. It's some of the battles are also weirdly statted, I think. So like it, some of the weird ones are like Invasion of Lorwyn, which is a six mana card that like destroys a creature based on the number of lands you control. Yeah. <laughs> it has five defense. And I know this is not uncommon, but it like has five defense, which is a lot for attacking a, a non-player permanent. Mm-hmm. And then it just flips into a creature with like a vanilla creature that's power top is equal to the number of lands you control. That's all it does. It's just like a guy. Yeah. I mean, I think they were pretty careful with the like non-rare removal spell battles basically because i think that they can be really really overwhelming in limited like the one that's like two a white and a blue when it etbs you can bounce a creature and then it flips into a flying creature with power and toughness equal to the number of creatures you control like Mm -hmm. i have that in my first draft deck and it is back breaking it is one of the so yeah i think i think when you compare those two cards it's like all right i see what they're going for here with the mm-hmm. Lorwyn invasion where it's like really hard to attack it's limited in what it can kill in multiple ways and it flips into a kind of generic creature on the backside. yeah and then i look at this invasion of xerix the blue yep. white one yeah and it's like all right this is easier to kill better and the flip side is better like what what's going on it's also in a color with like a lot of evasion i just have like with seven or eight flying creatures in my deck and so i have cast this and just it even if it the bounce didn't immediately give me an attack, which it often does. I just attack it twice with a two power flyer and then it is flipped and my opponent just can't beat it. I I kind of hope we get more battles. I don't need every set to be like War of the Spark and March of the Machine, mm-hmm. but the battle type is cool. It and is cool. It's very open-ended as to what you can do with it. And I hope that they've, they can adjust numbers and like try to push more boundaries. Because I think ever since Smuggler's Copter, whenever they introduce new stuff, they're they're more reserved about it. Because they don't want to go through the whole, all right, here's equipment, here's Skull Clamp, here's Bannock, <laughs> Planeswalkers, yeah. here's I Chase mean, the Mind Sculptor. I, I do think 
they were not as cautious as I kind of would have expected them to be with battles. There are a number of battles that I'm like, oh, wow, like this is this is kind of doing it. I think there's some interesting battles, but I don't I don't think there's any smugglers copters. In here. No, I don't think there are any smugglers copters. So like I think the smuggleriest copteriest <laughs> battle <laughs> uh, is Invasion of Alara, which Spike was playing with today, mm-hmm. uh, which has I'm not going to read this card. It's got like 50,000 words on it. But it's got like casting free spells as the front half. And then the back half just does like 10 different types of card advantage and board presence. What it's like a his... super ultimatum. Was he doing this in modern? I don't know. I just saw him tweeting about it. I, I was don't... at the office today, so I couldn't be stream watching. So I guess I just don't know how we're getting seven defense counters off of Invasion of Alara is my main like question yes. mark about this card. I have no idea either. I don't know. Maybe we're vampire hex maging. Maybe we're power conduiting. Okay. I, I I have no idea. But it it did it does apparently is bugged on Magic Online oh, where you great. do not get the token copy, which is one of the like eight lines of text on the back side. It makes a copy of permanent control. And Spike just said it just doesn't matter because all the other text on the card just wins the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's like the the most. All right, you want a battle? Here's your invasion of Alara. Just crack it. Just mm-hmm. try to kill with it. Yeah, and it is Wooberg, so th- there is some gatekeeping on there. I, I mean, you have to do work for this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I can try to find a list of what Spike was doing, but I know he moved on to like some nonsense Chatterstorm deck trying to cast the the big dinosaur in like <laughs> 2020s on turn three or something. Hmm. I don't know. I think we've talked about plenty today. We've talked about a lot of cards. I... I'm a big enjoyer of this set. It's it gives me big uh, War of the Spark vibes. Not just theming, but like they really wanted a bunch of random cards that were powerful. Yeah, and they printed them. <laughs> and I think there's a lot to like kind of unpack and work through here. A similar way we worked through all the uh, War of the Spark cards. Yeah, I'm excited. I I can't wait to play with this stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure there's like random cards that we are missing. Kind of like Command the Dreadhorde. For more of this part, where no one really looked at it, and then it was very strong and standard for a certain period of time. But yeah, everything's strong for a certain period of time, mm-hmm. a limited period of time. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. I'll just like shill for the Patreon again. If you like the podcast, and we sound we sound very defeated. Because I don't we like hate asking for money. I don't like asking for money, but. The amount of time that I put it on the podcast and it is just a little bit harder these days to not to justify because I will always work on the podcast, but it does help. If you like the podcast and you want to throw us a couple of bucks, that would be awesome. But no pressure. Like podcast is free. Uh, just listening is really sweet, too. The most relevant thing it does is keep having let us keep having guests on. Yes. We pay those folks. Yes. And it is. We do love our guests. Thank you all for listening. Lee, thank you very much. Have a great week. Can I come back next week? Yeah. Join (laughs) us. Lee, join us again soon. All right. Okay, cool. All right. Bye, everyone.